Howdy, and thanks for tuning in to the Homestretch Podcast, 101 plus tips for navigating assisted living and nursing homes. My name is Chad Schmidt, and here you'll discover the questions to ask from the researchers, professionals, and the institutions so that you can make a more informed decision. Today, we're going to sit down with Dr. Helen Lavretsky, who's a geriatric psychiatrist over at UCLA and the David Geffen School of Medicine. We're going to talk about her research that she's been doing, how not only a caregiver, but also an elder person who maybe is in an assisted living environment can reduce stress, increase their mental cognitive functioning, and through her research, how she's discovered that yoga, meditation, and Tai Chi is changing the genetic makeup. So let's dive right in and see what Helen has to share. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do over at UCLA and the David Geffen School of Medicine? I deal with older adults with mood disorders, uh, depression, anxiety, but also cognitive decline and memory loss going to Alzheimer's disease, and caregivers who take care of them. So you work both with elders and their caregivers? Right. Caregivers are typically middle-aged to older. Okay. I came across you because I had my grandmother who passed away at the beginning of April 2019, and I had this dream about educating people about how to navigate through assisted living in nursing homes. And I reached out to UCLA because I grew up in Southern California and UCLA was one of the prestigious schools. And I come to find out after doing some research with the Alzheimer's Association that UCLA has a major grant or funding to help with research in Alzheimer's and uh, dementia. And about a month and a half ago with one of your colleagues, and we did an episode on the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia and how they're related with Dr. Miriam Beggy. And she somehow mentioned that I should get in touch with somebody with the geriatric department over at UCLA, and I came to find that you did some research, and I want to give you an opportunity to share with our listeners some of the discoveries that you're making over there. So I study mind-body techniques of stress reduction, and those include meditation, yoga, tai chi, and I have a variety of studies in older adults with subjective memory complaints and mild cognitive impairment who are at risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. So we study these interventions that are lifestyle interventions because you don't need a prescription to do yoga or meditation. It's a life skill. So you you can change your life by acquiring the skill and then practicing it. And we found quite a few very interesting results. In the first study of caregivers, we studied Kirtankri, which is an 11-minute meditation in the Kundalini Yoga tradition. It's a chanting meditation. We discovered that by doing 11-minute meditation a day, you can reduce your stress, increase your resilience, reduce depression, 
and rewire your brain, improve cognitive impairment, and improve indices of cellular aging. By doing this, you could change your genetics and reduce genes that regulate inflammation in the body, which leads to various diseases of aging like arthritis, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, cancer. So by just doing 11 minutes of meditation a day, it has this vast variety of health benefits. And this is all doing a variety of exercises, of which you said, I think, kundalini yoga? Yes. The one we started was 11-minute chanting meditation called Kirtan Kriya. You chant mantra, you use your thumbs to tap each finger, it's mudras, and then you imagine light going through your brain. And that's the Kirtan Kriya. You just enjoy quiet music and you chant, and you visualize light. What's striking about this study was that although caregivers were not cognitively impaired, this practice also improved their cognitive function. And so we proceeded with the second study in older adults with memory complaints and mild cognitive impairment who are at risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. And that was not just 11-minute meditation, but a class of yoga versus memory training. And memory training was developed at UCLA by the Longevity Center, and it's like a gold standard for this population for trying to prevent a cognitive decline in this group of patients who are complaining of losing their memory. So we compared yoga practices once a week to this memory training class, and everybody did some memory exercises or the same Kirtan Kriya. And that continued for three months, and then we did six months follow-up and found that memory improved in both groups, in memory training and yoga, but yoga also improved executive function, which is multitasking, which is super important in caregivers, and also improved resilience and rewired the brain in somewhat different ways compared to memory training. We published two papers on different brain changes with these practices in this group of people. So that was the second study. I'm doing the third study with the same concept in the women, 50 plus, and cardiovascular risk factors who are at risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. Women typically have twice larger risk of developing Alzheimer's disease compared to men. And I have studied in parallel with this Tai Chi practices, which is a tradition of Chinese martial arts. Kundalini yoga is in a Hindu tradition. So Tai Chi, I'm studying in older adults with depression, and we also found that our health preferences and lifestyle choices can change our genetic risk, so we're not victims to our genetics or ancestral loading, as I call it. This is very empowering and encouraging stuff that you're sharing based on this research that you've done. Tell us a little bit about the psychiatric disorders of aging for elders and for caregivers. Depression is the disorder that I study, and it's quite prevalent among older adults. It may not be a clinical disorder for which you have to take medications, but depressive symptoms are very, very common, especially in older adults who have medical disorders or have neurological disorders. So the prevalence in this population is about 50% of older adults with those disorders would have depressive symptoms. 
If you look in the community, the prevalence is about 5 to 10% of people would have depression that requires treatment with medications or psychotherapy. Cognitive decline, which is losing memory and noticing that something is wrong, but you're not yet meeting diagnosis for alternative disorder dementia. That stage is more promising at this point to try to reverse or slow down progression of cognitive decline. So my research is in developing new strategies for treating depression in older adults and preventing cognitive decline. They come in and say, I can't do anything, I'm not interested, I'm crying, I'm sad, I can't sleep, I lost my appetite. Those are symptoms of depression. The worst of all is I don't want to live anymore and I want to kill myself. That's even the worst. Suicidal ideations is a, a part of really severe depression. So we have questionnaires that we ask to establish whether they are depressed and how severe their depression is and how much treatment they would need based on their severity and the symptom profile. In some instances, men, for example, don't speak depression very well. They don't use the psychological language, especially in some minority groups like Hispanic men, for example, would not use, I'm sad, but they would have somatic complaints. I have a lot of pain. If people don't say, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm withdrawn, I'm not enjoying things, but they say, I have a lot of pain, then you have to discern whether they have, besides pain, it includes psychological and emotional pain, and whether they have social stressors. That becomes more difficult. The common stresses in aging that lead to depression, one, it's bereavement. When you lose your spouse, of many years or of a partner and it's like you're losing a part of yourself which is how they commonly describe the loss. Medical illness, placement in a nursing home or assisted living is another common it's loss of uh, independence and just the process of aging and facing this last chapter makes them depressed. When I deal with patients what I ask from them is to develop new purpose, new definition for themselves. Anything other than what they did in the past, finding another job or volunteering, being active, working with children at risk, uh, that gives them another meaning, another purpose. As long as you have purpose and you're active in life, it's what drives you. Once you lose this purpose, you lose the light and the drive, and it's no longer worth it. Social isolation is another very common, and now we're learning more about biological effects of social isolation. Group exercise provides you with social connection and social engagement. They increase your resilience to depression, to stress, diseases and of aging, or any other challenges that come with aging. You can cope with them more easily. I'm glad that you're mentioning this because I discovered for myself several years ago that I struggle with anger, depression, and isolation. And I realized that I have to come up with solutions when I'm feeling these emotions. Yoga has become a regular part of my discipline. Also, physical activity with either working out with weights and dancing is a newer type of stress outlet that I've developed to overcome when I'm feeling angry, depressed, and feel like isolating. So I'm glad that you're mentioning this because I've also discovered that whenever I'm not moving and I'm 
more sedentary, my mind tends to go to a darker place. The challenge that we have is the elders that maybe haven't been implementing that discipline for any length of period of time, their bones are brittle, their muscle structure is weakened, they're overweight, and they don't have necessarily the strength to be able to do some of these more physically exerting activities. And so yoga is a very low-impact alternative for those individuals. Yes, and not only that, we modify it based on their abilities, uh, what they can do. We modify it to a chair position instead of on floor, on the mat. And there are a number of programs around the country, like silver sneakers, for instance. They modify exercise, make it shorter in burst 10 minutes at a time exercise for 30 minutes a day. You could do it like 10, 10, 10 minutes uh, each time, depending on their capacity. And you start at their level, but then you build up. They improve. Even in our studies, when we observe our participants over the course of three months, 12 weeks, they improve physically, robustly. Their chest opens up. They are able to transition from chair to the floor. So you have to start somewhere and build up from there. And I've even seen silver sneakers at the YMCA here in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're mentioning that brand of yoga that is catered towards the elderly. What are some other things that you think the listener should know or that you either want to reinforce or bring something new that you haven't mentioned that they should be aware of? I would say movement is important. Once people stop moving around, at all, they sit in the chair all day long or lie in bed, they lose all their capacity, cognitive or physical. And that's what leads to the demise. And a lifestyle does matter. You could achieve great outcomes just by modifying your diet, improving your sleep, improving your exercise, and using your mind. The basic rule is use it or lose it for, for muscles, for movement, and for the brain. So any kind of exercise, doing it in a community, in a group, to improve your social connectedness. We know it will improve outcomes, just overall in physical and mental health. As a society, we can no longer afford going to the doctor and expecting to be fixed by a pill. It's important to make wise choices as early in life as possible and then take active role in the aging process. I want to thank Dr. Helen Lebretsky once again for sharing her research and how caregivers and elders can reduce stress, anxiety, and depression using her methods of Tai Chi, meditation, and yoga. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to it on. And for more information, you can check out homestretch101.com. Until our next conversation, I wish you good health and eternal love where you'll find solutions to some of the problems associated with assisted living and nursing homes, as well as the upcoming guests that are going to be featured on the podcast.